This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 165 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Finish Line Fencing, the original and only warranted horse fence of its kind. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two women devoted to natural ways to keep your horses healthy. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to The Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. The Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings, Debbie. How's it going? Good, good. Actually, I'm loving summer. Everything, we're getting through it. Next week, as we record this, is one of my favorite weeks. It's the Gentling Wild Horse course we've been talking about. Oh, my god! Is this the third year you've done this? Oh, no. I think we've done the, well, maybe it's fourth. Fourth? I think it's fourth. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe this is the fifth. I have to think about it, but I think it's fourth. fourth. And, And we have got some horses. This is the cool part, too. This year, there are, there's a herd up in Tehachapi. Doesn't that sound Indian? In California. In Tehachapi, they have this old herd. It's about 100 years old, and it's feral. And they think that they were probably Morgans released from this old ranch that's no longer around anymore. But um, so they do all look kind of similar and all look kind of Morganish, but they are survivors because this is harsh land where they are, cold and hot and all those things too. But they're absolutely beautiful. And one thing about them is that they they come from a really quiet demeanor and they see people so they're not really afraid of people but they're not around people either so they're really they really are quite feral so, so the um, human mm-hmm. beings are just part of the scenery yeah okay yeah like a bunny rabbit or something yeah. out there right you know they like whatever but um but horses are they're not usually picked up by people too so this will be a little bit they do kind of take care of the herd if one is really you know um they'll doctor if they can get one, you know, cordoned off or something, but really they have no human interaction whatsoever. So the ones we will get will be very feral, but we we ask them to get, you know, the kind of the quieter ones, the ones that roll with it a little bit more, but we'll see what we get. I don't know. We're going to get about five or six mm-hmm. from that herd. And then we have a couple of others just with some remedial issues that are a little bit, oh, you know, we've got a hackney pony, Jen. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun. And we've got a mare that's, a, I don't know, about a seven-year-old mare, I think, that's got some issues, uh, some remedial things that need to be taken care of because they're really, these are up for adoption. Everything will be up for adoption, and we want to make it easier on the owner. And uh, so we're going to be doing a lot of social media sharing cool. and so people can go to the Facebook, Monty Roberts Facebook and everything and see what our Gentling Wild Horse course. And, of course, we're filming it, too. So there will be uni lessons that come out of that and uh, – Hopefully, you know, not too many life lessons. <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's always really fun. It's so awesome. I'm going to be excited to hear how the Hackney Pony I know. comes through. Uh, I had a light bulb moment the other day with PT Scooter, Glenn's Hackney Pony. Did you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't remember if it was the last episode, episode before, recently when we were chit-chatting, talking about horses being into pressure. I had mentioned that. Yeah, Thigmo Taxis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Scooter is a little bit of a challenge to train. Okay. He's, he's the funniest pony in, in the world. He's got a sense of humor, yeah. And he's also <laughs> got a lot of ponytude, and that's a hackney trait. <laughs> a ponytude. Yeah. yeah. And one of his ponytude traits is anytime there's pressure on his halter, mm-hmm. he goes the opposite. So mm-hmm. if you're walking him on a lead rope and you stop and he comes to the end of the lead rope, the instant he gets to the end of the lead rope, he pulls harder. Right. If, he, if you try to turn, he pulls harder. Mm-hmm. Um, when he pulls back on it, not quite so much. But anytime right. it's on his nose, he pulls harder. And we, we um, assumed that this is partly because before we got him, he was a rescue pony for those who aren't right. familiar with PT Scooter. He was yeah. a rescue pony. He was tethered like a dog in the front yard right. with, with a dog chain. And there was no food or water available while he was tethered. No, zero food or water yeah. for extended periods of time. He was starved. 
Yeah. Uh, so he learned that I just have to pull a little harder, a little harder, a little harder to survive. Mm-hmm. But I got inside Scooter's head and I said, okay, rather than <laughs> allowing pressure to happen, just don't let pressure happen. Well, how do mm-hmm. I steer my pony if there's no pressure, right? Mm-hmm. So just before the pressure would happen, uh-huh. I would change the game. Yeah, your rules. My rules. I would walk in front of him. I would go behind him and ask him to give his hindquarters. In other words, come towards me. But without any pressure on the lead rope, just by going towards his hindquarters. And he's a curious and playful little fella. So he would go, oh, what are you doing back there? Let's change the game. And I've been trying to be really consistent. It's very interesting because he is pretty reliably starting to go, well, where are you? I need to be close to you because I don't know what game you're going to play. What are you going to do? Yeah. How are we doing this? And he's not going, okay, you're going to pull in the lead rope so we can play the tug of war game. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Good and, job on the psychology. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I'm not using pressure on his body. Like if I need him to move his body, like you're standing <laughs> on the cross or something. Because if you push <laughs> on him, he just leans. Do you, do you know that we do call we have a name for that i don't we made it up i think but it's it's called spatial thigmotaxis and you literally i mean you deer don't herd so well but cattle and horses do tend yes. to herd yeah except for the feral one that gets you know crazy or something but the, you can literally and and most horsemen will know this but um but you've taken it to a new level you could literally move a horse around by spatial thigmotaxis because of your body language, right? It's just like a, a herd mare. Yes, I mean, I'm, lead that's mare. That's what I'm using. Yay! That's I'm getting what right. you're doing. Yes, I'm exactly. doing so instead of touching him, I put my hand near him. And if nothing happens, I take my hand near him and I move it quickly. Mm-hmm. Or you and, put your ears back. Or Do you put your ears back. <laughs> yeah. And it's very interesting because he doesn't want to move. Then I'll just brush my hand past him really quick and just brush him. It's like, oh, I've got you. I'm out of the way. No problem. Exactly. Exactly. It's yeah, very interesting. We, we try too hard sometimes. We really yes, do. Yes, instead of pushing yeah. and prodding and bullying, just <laughs> wave your arm that way. And if you're consistent and let them know that that was the right answer, it's like, yeah, I got that. I can move. No problem. Yeah. And the Yay. dually halter works, you know, if somebody's in the beginning stages of that, where the horse really doesn't understand, you want to make it black and white, that dually halter is, is on a twist system. Mm-hmm. So that's just like a, hmm, how do I come off that pressure? That's essentially what you're saying is that she's putting pressure on me. And then I learn to come off that pressure or, or we use the top pole in some cases, the trained off pressure top pole to, to signal to them what we want. But by the time they've got it and they get it, you know, they're smart enough. They get it. And once they've got it, like, oh, I see what you're asking me now. I'm just, and so that's when you get into the spatial thigmatexis. So, um, you know, everybody knows that when a horse stands on your foot, the last thing you want to do is try to push the horse off your foot (laughs) because they lean into you and they're just harder on your foot. So the thing you want to do is bring their head to you. Right. And Mm -hmm. so they, they come off of it in a turn or, you know, or mm-hmm. if you could do a spatial thing with taxes at that point, great. But usually when they're standing on your foot, you're not thinking that way. You want to pull yeah. the halter towards you, get them off your foot. So if you value your foot. So good job. I think that's wonderful. That's so cool. <laughs> well, speaking of people reminding people of things, mm-hmm. um, we want to remind everybody about our title sponsor, sponsor, Finish Line Fencing. They make a unique and fabulous product that can help your horses stay contained Safely, effectively, and for a very reasonable price. So let's hear from them before we get to our first guest. Well, I'm here with Kim and Lisa. I'm really excited to talk to them a little bit about finish line fencing. You are a little different than things that I've been seeing out there. And I'm always trying to problem solve with different areas. We have 80 acres here on the farm. So I'm hoping you can tell me a little bit about finish line fencing. Hi, Debbie. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Finish Line itself has actually been out for over 30 years now, and you've probably seen it all over the place, but you just never realized it was Finish Line. So it's kind of like the next generation of fencing. One of the best things I think uh, Finish Line has to offer people is that when they're getting, you know, having a farm is just a lot of work, as we all know. And this, this type of fencing is absolutely zero maintenance. So basically what they do, it's lightweight. You can install it yourself very quickly. It works with any type of posts. 
So it's very simple and can work in a lot of different situations. But the best thing about it is once you install it, you really never have to retention the, the material. So it's pretty much your one and done. And it can handle any type of environment. It can handle the, the sun and the UV rays that's UV inhibited throughout. Or if you are up in the freezing cold at the top of a mountain, it yeah. can handle all of that snow and have no effect on the finish line itself. Yeah, I I don't know of another kind of fencing that can do that. Well, I have a lot of friends who have acreage that they really scratch their heads when it comes to have to put in fencing. And it sounds like this actually is a solve. So you can actually check out our website. It is finishlinefence.com. Our Facebook page is Finish Line Fence. Um, or give us a call. Our number is 877-625-6100. Monique and her twin sister Marie loved horses as a child and dreamt of having horses one day. When their families relocated to the West Coast at 13 years old, they purchased a home with enough property to have horses and fulfill their dreams. A saddle was not in the budget, so she rode bareback, exploring the endless miles of trails with her sister and neighborhood friends. When she was in her early 30s, she was introduced to team pinning and developed a, a new horse passion, working cows. She bought her first truck and horse trailer and hit the road riding and team pinning events. Eventually, she studied California-style vaquero riding, too, progressing through the various levels, learning dressage in a western saddle to enhance cow working by the horse, working in balance in arcs to be more efficient and effective, and influencing the horse's body position and the cow's. In time, Monique became passionate about a more natural lifestyle for her horses, and she studied equine nutrition and the horse's hoof. During this phase in her life, she became passionate about slow feeding, which resulted in a four-year experimental journey of creating a slow feeder that met her needs. We welcomed her sharing and her story to Horsemanship Radio. Well, welcome, Monique Warren, founder of Hey Pillow. And I wanted to have you on today, Monique. How are you? I am fantastic. I, I'm really excited to hear more about your story. But before we go there, you know, when I hear somebody's story about inventing something, I want to know they're really a horse girl. And I want to hear your background and everything. And yeah, yeah, we heard your bio, you know, but I, I really want to hear about you and why it was so important to you to do something really kind for your horse. So when I became aware of slow feeders, um, I ordered them online and I started using them and none of them really met my needs. I needed, I wanted something that was natural and that I could place in multiple locations to keep my horses moving. And so I I embarked on a four-year journey um, using slow feeders that I could purchase and building hard-sided slow feeders that, um, that I could use. Now, you go back into um, the world of California-style vaquero horsemanship. I, I think that's fascinating. And I know that you you moved out west when you were like 13. We We read that in your in your intro, but why California style vaquero? I mean, that's pretty wild stuff. <laughs> but it's not really wild. I just, um, I, again, I, you know, I was educated m myself and I really enjoyed working cattle and, um, uh, uh, there was going to be a local clinic with Mike Bridges, um, called seeking refinement. And so I am always wanting to learn more and explore more. So I attended the clinic and was completely convinced that this would be a very um, educational uh, journey for myself and my, my horses and in order to be able to allow them to be balanced and prepared for turns on cattle. Um, mm -hmm. And so it just became just another passion to follow. And I think that throughout our equine, um, you know, explorations, we keep finding things to learn more about. And we also have on the phone with us, too, Kirsty Bedwell, 
And Christy, I understand, did you go kind of through this same um, curvature trying to figure out how to help your horse feed uh, more, I, I would say probably more consistently? Or was this something where you had a colic situation and you had to change things desperately? I did, yeah. So um, I actually have two little miniature horses, and um, I was trying to find mm. something that was going to help slow feed them because they're so prone to being overweight. And, mm. um, you know, I take my little miniature horses' diet so seriously because I want them, you know, to last well into their 30s. And having them from foals, I saw that as a great opportunity to really start early and make sure that they, you know, um, had the forage that they needed and was able to feed it properly. So I was really happy to find the hay pillow. And another, um, another thing I think that really sparked my interest was how little waste of hay it was able to give uh, me. So I wasn't wasting money on my hay. Cause um, mm-hmm. I had, at the time I was working at a barn where we just fed hay loose on the ground. And I, to me, I saw so much wasted money laying on the ground that, you know, gets peed on or horses yeah. trampled and they don't want to eat it. So that was a huge, huge factor to me who was buying my own hay for my horses. Yeah, that's true. Huh? Even with minis, they can still trample, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> they yeah. Can make a they mess. like to make a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so why didn't you just buy the old, uh, you know, $7 uh, little grid net thing? Why wasn't, mm-hmm. why wasn't that good enough? Yeah, I just really wanted something that gave the overall benefits for their health. And I really felt like the hay pillow allowing them to eat in the natural grazing position, something that they can move around. I mean, my two, they take them out in the paddocks and they flip them all over the place. So even though they're out on the dry lot, they're still getting to walk around a lot more. Um, and, you know, that, that, that waste reduction was huge as well. Okay. All right. So you... you- saw them as a toy too, right? They got to play a little yeah, bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's yeah, kind of yeah. So these, these things are all across the United States then. Is that right, Monique? Mm-hmm. They're all over the world. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they're, in, they're in zoos and Dubai, Canada. I can't even list all the countries that I've shipped to because it's so unique. They're just, they're not available. You know, they're not manufactured or available in other countries. So, um, Yes, it's pretty exciting um, shipping internationally and seeing all these countries um, where they're headed. And um, and when I was prototyping, I would, if I've ever prototyped um, a change that um, I'm considering making for the better, um, I'll prototype them in Switzerland, Canada, and California to um, make sure that it can accommodate all the the, the weather variances. Right. That's true. So the, this canvas has to hold up and all that too. So what do you find our owners the world over as concerned as we are in the U S with this natural feeding? Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think, you know, as, as, um, before the internet and, uh, then we just, you know, we tended to rely on and rightfully so, our vets, but um, as we have more information available, I think most of us are striving to uh, achieve the most um, beneficial lifestyle and and feeding practices for our horses. So um, absolutely, that is, um, it is worldwide. And I think that most of us horse lovers will always continue to educate ourselves and See what we can do to ensure that our horses are happy and healthy. So that's so it must feel really good to know that, you know, you you stay you towed the line, you came up with something, and now people all horse lovers all over the world um actually get to benefit from that. What was wrong with like Jen, my producer that's on, um, she can make a, a slow feeder out of strapping tape, right? You can, you know, you can it's a pretty simple concept. But you've taken, you took four years to come up with this. So what makes yours like better than that? Better than a strapping tape hay pillow? <laughs> well, they're extremely durable. Um, and again, we have the variety of mesh sizes. Is the variety of mesh sizes, is that for the size of horse now or the slowness of which they can pull that hay through? 
It's the, yeah, it, we're referring to the opening and the netting. Right. All right. So um, we offer four different nest sizes. Okay. Um, depending on how adept or patient the individual is. And uh, to be honest, when I, when I first came up with this idea, I purchased um, all kinds of fabrics and materials. And I cut out my very first hay pillow. And I sat down at my little Singer sewing machine. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I was just going to make one. But I couldn't because um, it wasn't heavy duty enough. Yeah. So I had to find a prototype sewer. And um, then I embarked from there. But there were many versions before we got to where we are today. Yeah, I'm sure. And but it's made it's made here now. It's made in the USA. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm a huge oh, cool. made in the US. <laughs> oh, good girl. That's nice. If we can do it, we, um, we like supporting that too, to buy things made here if we can, but it is, it's so hard to do. Maybe COVID will make that easier, but, uh, but I'm still, I'm still kind of stuck on. So I know that it's natural. If we look at horses out on the steps of Mongolia or whatever, they're eating with their head down. And we know from our nutritionists that that is the best way for horses to eat is from the ground and the whole neck and digestive system are all designed for that. But if, if your horse is wearing shoes and you've got this netting on a pillow, what do you do with that? Yeah, we, we do have hanging hay pillows um, available on our website um, for shod horses. And we also have nets, a very high quality net. So we have options for both shod and barefoot horses. And um, a lot of information on our website about um, mounting and hanging options and um, choosing a mesh size. And there's a, we have a plethora of information. We have over 500 pages on our website. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's a good resource. Okay. And, Kirsty, tell me why, why this one is doing better. How long have you had your hay pillow? Um, so, my two miniature hay pillows, the ground ones, I've had them for three years now and oh. they've held up. I mean, my horses haven't put a single rip in them and they, those boys are rough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I also have one of the hanging hay pillows for my shod horse, which that okay. one I've had a few months and um, that's, that's worked out very well too in his stall for him. Okay. And why did you choose from the beginning? You didn't know Monique. Now I know now <laughs> you're not best friends or anything. So why did you choose that one? There's so many out there to choose from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it really hit all the marks. Um, I, I honestly don't have really a bad thing to say about it because it just kind of hit all the marks that I was looking for. And um, being a horse professional, I just, you know, I want to give my horses the best quality, everything that I can. Yeah. Are you, when you say horse professional now, are you a trainer? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I, I teach at a barn. Mm -hmm. Oh, you teach Thank at a barn. You. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm glad you got that in. What barn? Put it in here. Yeah, it's called Rising Star Equestrian Center in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Wonderful. Good. Now people can go check out your pillow, your hay pillow, and see if they like it and your minis, too. What are your minis' names? Yeah. Um, they are Jasper and Wallace, and they oh. have their own Instagram account. <laughs> they do? They do, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I love talking to horse girls who have figured out not only – you know, trainers and good for you, Christy. I'm glad you're out there working it. Is it okay in the COVID thing? How are you guys holding up? Thank God we made it. Um, our barn, we finally have been able to open up the past couple of weeks and all of our students have been coming back and so many new students who are eager to get outdoors and do something. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're hanging in there. <laughs> good. Oh, good. We need you. We need that hope. That's good. And Monique, how, how is your area? You guys still kind of locked down because we're in Southern California, aren't we? Yes, I'm in Southern California, and um, yes, it's well, it's 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 dicey. It will, you know, it will rise and fall as far as the cases go. But um, you know, I mean, like like everyone else, we just have to do the best we can with what we've got. <laughs> mm, that's true. And so, thank goodness, my business is online, so it it hasn't affected my ability to work. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that, but I do pray for all of those small businesses out there that are suffering um, from the pandemic financially and just hope that they can hold out 
until um, things open up more because I certainly can relate as far as having a, a small business here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> are you done researching the Hey Pillow? Is it perfect or are you always innovating? I am always innovating. Really? I, every time I every time I make another change, or our our netting is a fifth generation. Wow. So I developed the the netting, the twine, um, yeah, the type of material it's made from. And then when I think I'm finished. I'm always looking for ways to improve. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I'll ever be finished, but I'm. It's always my goal to make it the most durable, effective product possible. And yeah. so I'm always very open-minded about um, any improvement that there that I could make potentially make. Well, that's good. That's a good way to be. I'm kind of fascinated by the dental part of it. I hadn't thought about that until recently. That some um, slow feeders can be problematic for the horse's teeth. And so I think yours avoids that, but, um, I don't, I don't know that well. How much is dental a consideration in a slow feeder? Well, it should be a huge consideration. And I have to say that, you know, even the, the hard sided feeders, um, that either use metal grates or um, large drilled plastic holes and are they work well for for a lot of people um, but you do have the there is always the potential that there could be some damage to the teeth um, and so with netting it conforms to the hay and the ends can stick up through it so especially the anxious horses about eating aren't feeling like they have to scrape their teeth across it to extract hay out of it. Right. Right. No, that it does make sense. It's just one of those things that, you know, I, it's sort of appealing in an onion for me with the slow feeders is I've, I've sort of learned over the years what I don't like. And so it's kind of fun to find one that did feel like it had a lot of those problems taken care of. So congratulations. That's great. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was fun having you on, and Kirsty too. Thank you. We'll we'll follow your um, minis on Instagram, <laughs> and I love their long names for such a small horse. Uh, <laughs> 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 and Moni, congratulations on you know becoming a, an entrepreneur and sticking to your guns and pillows. And I appreciate you coming on Horsemanship Radio. A couple of years ago, I don't know how long ago it was now, mm-hmm. but uh, we we uh, had you on a, a number of our shows talking yeah. about the Equus Online University, which had just yeah. come out. It has developed. It's become better with the search engine in it, and it's become better with the forum because we have such an amazing forum. You know, a lot of those forums, people get on there and go, oh, no, you're not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yeah, usually it's, it ends up with the whiners on forums. <laughs> exactly. Right. And it's not. What I see is a mentoring. Actually, it's, it's almost the polar opposite. Because um, the, we, we do give these rosettes out for people who've completed so many lessons. And uh, once the rosettes started, now we have, uh, we're up to five rosettes uh, for somebody who's watched every lesson. And you, you have those rosettes by your forum uh, personality in your profile. And uh, so you can really see who's watched all these things. So it gives them credibility when they come in and say, hey, if you watch this lesson. So people come on there and they're using it as a, um, as a training tool, frankly, you know, and they get on there and, and I'm not bragging on, on the university as the greatest training tool, which I think it is, but it's also a great place for people to be mentored as they begin their journey with horses. Um, it really, it really is cool. So when they watch the lessons and they can watch them over and over again, as many times as they want, they get the lesson notes they get audio, they get visual, and then they've got the forum to kick around too. Plus, we've got now since 2004, every week, without fail, we put up a Q&A from Monty himself. He chose the question, he answered it, and we put it in a database. And that's actually free for everybody to search and get to. It's it's open on our um, Equus Online University. In other words, it's a non-subscriber open source forum too. Uh, not forum, but a Q&A base. Uh, the forum is not. You're, you're behind a subscriber wall for the forum just so we know who's talking. But it is... Um, it is 
it's been an incredible experience actually to put these together with Stefan Peters and Will Simpson. You know who I'm talking about. These these guys have won everything yeah. in their worlds. And uh, Charlotte Bradals and and if I get started, Rich Richard Winters and so many guest lecturers that are on there too. So some people ask, why is it called the university? Well, that's what a university is. It's uh, it's not just one opinion. It's not just one deliverer. You know, and and I think that's the difference between the uh, everybody is putting out a YouTube these days and they're free so people ask us sometimes why do you charge like up to ten dollars a month and well it's it's expensive to make the university everybody knows quality is is uh not cheap but it's really our mission statement and i know that sounds a bit trite but it's true (laughs) when you when you've worked at it for five years just to get all that quantified and on there they're just almost no subjects we haven't covered at this point but um but dad and i were looking at the list and he goes Hey, I'm going to be making videos until well into my 90s. And I went, yes. (laughs) Promise and sign here. (laughs) So, so we do have, we do have a lot of subjects left to go and a lot of people we want to still get on there. What do you think of it, Glenn? Well, I think that one of the things about training horses as it, same as training anything really, uh, is that you're, you're going through stages and you're always coming up to a new, problem to solve uh-huh. or a new issue to deal with. And what I like about the university now that you have so much content on there mm-hmm. is that whatever issue you're running into, there's going to be something on there to help you. So not many people are going to go on there and watch all, you know, all the videos mm-hmm. uh, because there's just so many of them. What you're going to, what you're going to want to do is go on there and you're going to want to watch the videos that relate to the situation you're in currently with right. that particular horse. Um, and, and that's what I like about it is it has, it has so much content now that whatever you're dealing with, you're probably going to find an answer somewhere, somehow. And if not, you can go to the forum. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I, I really like about it is wherever you're at now is where you can find that situation. Plus, you know, YouTube is so full of crap now. And I'm not saying that every video on there is crap, but there are, we all know what we're talking about. Uh, there are some that are. And, you know, one of the things that, I really like about this is you know you can trust it. Uh, you know that w- what you're seeing is something you can trust. I've tried doing repairs on uh, appliances and things off of YouTube videos. <laughs> and, and you know, some of them are good, some are not so good. And some, one of the things I couldn't get back together again. So, oh. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, that. At least you didn't hurt yourself. That's right. Good. <laughs> so that's what I really like about it. And for that, yes, it costs a few, it costs a few pennies to do it, but it's worth it. Uh, nice. you know, it's worth it to do it right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it is tried and true. Everything on there is so tried and true. If not, you know, we'd be, they'd be throwing tomatoes at us in the forum. <laughs> but it really does work. And, and we, we are so happy that, uh, so many people have been, um, interested enough at least to go there, you know, and I should plug in the, the website right now is, um, www.montyrobertsuniversity.com, um, because people can get a free day pass on there and go see what we're talking about and, uh, and check out that search engine too. You can put in the weird little keywords and you, you find all kinds of crazy stuff. It really is cool. And it breaks it down by, um, not just the lessons first, then it goes into the Q and A database and then it goes into the forum. So you can actually pick and choose where you, um, pick up those keywords from too. So, um, it, it's great. And then you also have little challenge questions, which I love the little tests at the end. You know, there's always four questions at the end of your lesson to make sure that, you know, you were, you were watching. And, um, if, if you get it wrong, it just says, want to try again? <laughs> and so you, by process of elimination, you get it right. And then it, it moves you on. And that's how you get your rosettes that you've accomplished that, um, that lesson and that you get to move on. But I, you know, what you just said is so important because when we were setting this, idea up. Um, nothing really existed like it. We didn't want it to be first you have to do one and then you have to do number two and then you have to do number three and like it was some sort of programmed process. Yeah, because that, that never go- works. It doesn't. It, <laughs> no. you know, because we wanted people who were amazing trainers to jump in there and go, this is what I, you know, what does Monty say about this or what does this trainer say about that? Uh, and they could be at a world-class level or it could be a very beginner saying, where do I start first? And you can you just go down the lessons if you want. But, you know, it's like you said, if all of a sudden you have a horse that won't load and you didn't have one last week that didn't load, you know, you go to the loading lessons right. and it's exactly. a whole series on it. <laughs> and it's MontyRobertsUniversity.com. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for asking. 
Juliet Getty, PhD, is an independent equine nutritionist with a wide U.S. and international following. Her research-based approach optimizes equine health by aligning physiology and instincts with correct feeding and nutrition practices. Dr. Getty's goal is to empower the horse person with the knowledge to provide the best nutrition for his or her horse's needs. Dr. Getty is the author of a comprehensive resource, Feed Your Horse Like a Horse, I love that, as well as seven topic-centered Spotlight on Equine Nutrition series of booklets. She also offers an informative e-newsletter, Forage for Thought. Her website, GettyEquineNutrition.com, provides a world of useful information for the horse person. Well, welcome, Juliet Getty. Welcome back. I'm so glad to have you on again. It's always like I lean into uh, your subjects every time you pop into my inbox and say, I've got a new one. So, oh, um, you're so kind. Thank you, Debbie. Uh, it's always no, a it's, pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. And you're you're in Texas today, right? Uh, and every day. <laughs> okay. Every day during this season. Yeah. And I'm not traveling now. Staying put for yeah. a while. That's us too. And I think probably everybody hearing this uh, when it posts anyway is, is yes. kind of the same thing. So we wanted to hear a little bit about what you were mentioning about immune systems. And my ears perked up on that one too, because yeah. I'm a big believer in immune systems and, and proactively staying healthy, you know, not, um, I'm not a big take medicines kind of person. I'd much rather talk about how we figure out what our systems are good with. So tell sure. us a little bit about what you're recommending to your clients right now for their horses' immunes. Well, the, the reason this, this subject uh, came to mind is because I just recently vaccinated my horse for West Nile virus. And I was trying to decide whether or not to do it. Um, it's not, you know, 100% foolproof. Um, but Horses are outside all the time, and so they are exposed to mosquitoes more than we are. Of course, West Nile can affect us, too. It's a mosquito-borne uh, infection, as are other viruses, um, you know, like the encephalitis viruses. Mm -hmm. And um, horses can develop um, herpes virus as well, uh, which lives in their systems quite a bit um, throughout their lifetime. And kind of shows up as uh, a stress response sometimes. Mm -hmm. So in other words, the immune system has to be healthy to counteract the, um, the viruses that are around us uh, everywhere and around our horses. And so the goal then is to try to reduce their um, likelihood of getting sick. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, that's the bottom line. And, mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways to do this. Um, one of the most basic, basic ways uh, is to watch your horse's stress level because okay. stress uh, suppresses the immune function. Uh, if you've ever been very stressed, you might have found that you got, got a cold. Um, and that's because you're more likely to develop an infection when you're stressed and the same is true for horses. And I know I mention this every time we talk, but the reason I do is because it's just so foundational to their overall health. And that is that horses um, are most stressed when they don't have something to graze on yeah. at all times. So it's very important to feed your horse like a horse, make sure they have access to forage, whether it be hay or pasture or a combination of both available 24 seven, because right. that triggers a stress response that can suppress their immune function. And of course it has other aspects too, but today's topic is that. Mm -hmm. So if, once we get that out of the way, then we can talk about diet. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you, you know, stress, that's a great subject though, just for one more, like put a period on it too. A lot of people think of stress as, um, oh, maybe taking their horse to competitions and there can be some cross, you know, contamination there too, where you can sure. pick up stuff from other horses and everybody's usually pretty careful about that. But stress kind of happens funny in a horse's behavior with things that people don't even think of sometimes. Like we were just doing a, a, a loading demonstration for some people and 
even the direction in which the trailer was facing made a difference in the stress mm. level of the horse. Yeah, it's just funny yeah. little things that we've got to think more like a horse. You you feed your horses like a horse, and we try to think like a horse. So putting sure. the, the direction of the trailer facing his home and loading so that he's walking towards his stall, you know, in that direction anyway, is less stressful, even if he's not a great loader, you know. So... You know, right. all those little moments, you know, help them build their their immune system or keep their immune system healthy or build, you know, any confidence building. So I'll I'll put that little um, sure. tip in there, well, a little caveat. Now you you do it from the inside. <laughs> okay. Well, as you may, I mean, you brought up a very good point. Horses are um, creatures of routine, uh-huh. and anything, anytime you disrupt that routine, then it's going to make them, you know, notice and. If they feel uh, uncomfortable, then it and you know it it will um, start a stress response. So, yeah. But from the diet perspective, just some basics here, and then we'll go into some uh, some nutraceuticals that you can consider adding, um, perhaps during this time, or if your horse is experiencing any kind of health issues, or you're afraid of the horse developing any problems like in an unfamiliar environment, for example, like during traveling. But uh, from a, on a basic level, um, one of the things that you want to make sure is that the horse gets sufficient omega-3s. And we've talked about fat and how there are two essential fatty acids and one is an omega-3, one's an omega-6, and they need to be in balance. And so make sure that the horse is getting a source of omega-3s. And usually that would be chia seeds or flax seeds. Certainly if your horse is fortunate enough to be on fresh living pasture grasses, those are high in omega-3s also. Omega-3s are involved in a lot of different areas of the body, but in particular they're in, involved in protecting the horse's inflammatory response, which is uh, involved in the immune system. And then the other thing is, is that you want to make sure that your horse is getting good quality protein. And so if your horse is only getting one source of protein, let's say just grass hay, that's not high enough in quality to provide a sufficient number or variety of amino acids from which to build body proteins Mm -hmm. and antibodies, which are the body's way of protecting against um, uh, antigens from allergies and other other uh, infections, um, our antibodies are proteins. And in order for the horse to build those antibodies or produce them, mm-hmm. he has to have sufficient um, amino acids to do that. And the only way to accomplish that is to provide a variety of protein sources. So not just grass hay, but maybe add some alfalfa hay to the mix. And, or mm-hmm. if you're feeding chia seeds and, or flax, that adds some protein. Or mm-hmm. My personal favorite is uh, hemp seeds. Mm-hmm. Hemp seeds are extremely high in protein quality, even better than soy. And I think I've mentioned I don't particularly like right. soy. So I go with hemp seeds. So mm-hmm. protein quality. And then the other thing that I want to make people aware of is to avoid sugar and to avoid too much starch starch gets digested down to glucose and of course sugar provides glucose and what that does is it increases insulin and anytime insulin is um uh elevated it stimulates the formation of very specific uh inflammatory molecules called cytokines and there are many of them the different types of interleukins for example or inflammatory cytokines that can travel to all the tissues of the body and cause inflammation and damage whether it be the joints or the or the uh the hooves or the brain and so sugar is very inflammatory. Avoid feeding sweet feeds and don't overfeed starch or not even at all. Most horses really don't need any starch. So those are three basics. And then we can look at vitamins and other nutraceuticals. Well, that's a pretty, I've been hearing about these cytokine storms a lot now. Ah, <laughs> so I got, right? Yes, you know, that's and, true. So, that has been in the news lately, mm-hmm, hasn't it? Yeah. So you perked my ears up at that one too. And uh, that is uh, the body's, if I understand it right, uh, the body's overreaction to an immunity. It need. is. Yeah. 
It is an overreaction, which is not a good thing. And in terms of feeding things that stimulate it, um, insulin will stimulate cytokines. Okay. And what stimulates insulin? Well, uh, sugar and starch stimulates insulin. Uh, stress stimulates mm-hmm. insulin because stress mm-hmm. is, causes the release of cortisol, which causes insulin to rise. Mm-hmm. And um, conditions, metabolic conditions, such as insulin resistance or even equine Cushing's disease, um, are characterized by elevated insulin levels, which causes this cytokine release and inflammation. So yeah. if you don't if you don't want to feed a lot of sweet feed and you've got a hard keeper, um, do you uh. just yeah. Do you just increase volume? Tell, tell us what you no, don't. If you have a heart keeper, don't, don't add oats yeah. to the diet. No, right. that's not the way to do it. If you have a heart keeper, basically you want to make sure the protein quality is good and add more fat to the diet. Um, okay. And um, hemp seeds I particularly like because of, it covers both bases. It's high in fat and it also um, is high in quality protein but you could also add various oils uh again with oils choose one that's high in omega-3s and stay away from soybean oil corn oil rice bran oil wheat germ oil but all of those are very very high in omega-6s which increase inflammation you see okay Okay. is there a certain age where a horse may start losing some weight just because through age and what do you have to be careful about that? It, it, are the oils fine for an older horse too? They can metabolize oh, that. Sure. And- yes. Um, some older horses don't um, tolerate high levels of protein because their kidneys or liver may not right. be functioning as well. And if you're concerned about that, a, a blood test can easily tell you how okay. how well your horse is doing um, okay. and whether or not he can tolerate more protein. But uh, fat. Uh, is very well tolerated. Okay. So that's always easy to add. Um, so, and then, you know, you've heard of the term antioxidants. Mm-hmm. And antioxidants, um, what they do is they neutralize uh, very volatile, damaging molecules called free radicals. Mm-hmm. And so whenever there's inflammation, whether it be from stress or too much sugar or starch um, or too many omega-6s, uh, all of those things and others, whenever there's too much inflammation, it causes the, the, uh, a higher production of free radicals. Mm-hmm. And these damaging molecules can travel anywhere in the body and destroy the cell membranes around any particular cell of any particular tissue. So... The way to neutralize them or to or to stop them in their tracks mm-hmm. is to provide an antioxidant. And um, the two of the most common antioxidants are vitamins E and C. Mm-hmm. And uh, vitamin E is particularly helpful. Um, we're now finding that horses do need more vitamin E than we have been giving them. And so uh, I like to add some vitamin E to the diet. Usually a a horse at maintenance will do well on about a thousand IUs of vitamin E, um, as long as it's a natural vitamin E. Synthetic vitamin E is not as active, and so you'd have to feed, oh, about a third again as much to get a thousand IUs. Um, Vitamin C, however, the horse can produce... But if the horse has, has uh, some stressors like the production of a lot of uh, histamines, say he has allergies or um, uh, respiratory allergies or insect allergies, vitamin C is very useful that way too. And I'll often add anywhere from three to 500 milligrams of vitamin C. For older horses, I might even add more. But vitamin C is also useful in protecting the um, uh, immune response specifically by neutralizing these damaging free radicals. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you can't overdo vitamin C, can you, if you're being really careful, but you might be able to overdo the E. Am I right? Actually, it's the opposite. Oh, opposite. Um, Okay. Oops. The vitamin E really isn't toxic. It's stored in the liver and um, we have not seen any toxicity problems like we have with other fat-soluble vitamins, such as vitamins A and D and K. We can overdose on those, but um, not so much with vitamin E. Vitamin C well, you're you're really uh, you're right there. You really can't overdose technically because most of what's not utilized is excreted in the urine. Yeah. But if you if the horse has too much and is prone toward any kidney issues, mm-hmm. we can possibly see some uh, bladder stones develop in oh, some okay. um, horses that are se- sensitive to that. Okay. It can also lead to diarrhea. And finally, I should say that whenever you do supplement vitamin C, the horse's body becomes accustomed to that level. So if you were to stop, it should always be gradually, never just stop cold turkey. So you clean your horse off of it. Yes. Yes. Good tip. Are there any, since we we opened with West Nile and, and our horse's system, are there any supplements that you ever have known to give that might um, dissuade a, a an insect? Flies would be wonderful, but at least um, <laughs> you mean you mean as a as a repellent? Yeah, like an interior. Oh, okay. Yeah, garlic, you know, or something. Well, <laughs> first of all, garlic is toxic to horses. I, yeah, that's true. I say that at least once a week. Um, that's true. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of something to hang around their neck, People, but no, but yeah. in, inside though, you know, is there anything that, that might just um, keep insects away? Well, um, not, not that I've had a lot of success with. I have had some success with vitamin B1, which mm-hmm. is thiamine, mm-hmm. which does seem to have some repelling aspect to it. Okay. Um, and there's some research on that. There's no research on uh, apple cider vinegar, and yet, anecdotally, I have come across some cases where it seems to be effective. Oh, that's um, nice. So, um, insects are a real problem, and there really isn't a whole lot we can do to keep them away. I mean, if you want to rub garlic on your horse's legs, that's fine, but don't, <laughs> if, you want, if you don't mind the smell. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put, uh, I wouldn't feed raw garlic uh, yeah. to a horse. No. Um, it, over right. time, it can, it can damage the red blood cells. But, you know, horses uh, are exposed to West Nile and we are exposed to West Nile too. But not all horses and not all people develop it. And the reason is, is because the immune system has counteracted uh the the virus the same is true for the herpes virus um and so by adding a few other things during this season i think would be beneficial and one of my favorite well actually i have two favorites but first favorite is cbd and um cbd I'm sure you've heard of cbd it's it's found in um industrial hemp And it uh, targets one of two uh, endocannabinoid systems in the body. And one of those systems is found in the gastrointestinal tract. And more than half, maybe upwards of 60% of the immune function is in the gut. And so by providing CBD to your horse, you are boosting the his ability to have a healthy inflammatory response during any type of stress or exposure to uh, uh, you know infections, mm-hmm. and um, so I highly recommend that. Of course, you're in California, and we're having quite a time not being able to ship to California. Um, oh, is that right? Is that right? I- Unfortunately, they're restricting it or there's something about the travel. Well, no, it it has to do with the fact that CBD or any hemp product is um, not considered legal for livestock. Mm -hmm. And 
horses are still characterized as livestock. Oh, I see. And I, you know, to me, that's a incorrect classification. I think they're more companion animals. They're not, we don't eat horses in this country. Exactly. And um, so they really shouldn't be in the same class as cows and sheep and goats and, you know, um, sure. uh, animals that are produced for food or milk or, you know, mm-hmm. other, other consumables. Mm-hmm. And um, so because of that, the um, Department of Agriculture in California is prohibiting um, the sale of CBD. And uh, that's I'm unfortunate. Sorry. But yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Change. Yeah, I hope it does too, um, because I, I think they're pretty liberal with the human consumption on it from what I'm seeing growing well, around here. Anyway. They're buying it for themselves and they give it to their horses, which I don't have a problem with. Okay, so. there we go. Problem <laughs> so, solved. <laughs> um, and what about but, mushrooms? I know that's but, one of those uh, things. But, but, you know, as a, as a business owner, I am not permitted to ship it to California. And I do yeah, I, do sorry. offer CBD on my website. So I'm I, yeah. able to we're, do that. We're going to talk um, about that website, too, because I know you're a wealth, too. But, um, yeah, there was there were two other things that I wanted to ask you about. is mushrooms and colostrum, too. Yes, and that's second one. Colostrum is my second favorite. Okay. And... Um, Colostrum. I have an article on. Well, I have articles on on colostrum and CBD on my on my website. Um, and colostrum is just one of the most fabulous superfoods out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it promotes a, a balanced immunity. It, it modulates the immune system um, through its high levels of immunoglobulins, which are immune molecules that um, help protect against uh, leaky gut syndrome. And leaky gut syndrome is something that we don't talk about much with horses. You see it more with people, but there is some work being done with horses. And it is a real phenomenon mm-hmm. where the um, the lining of the gastrointestinal tract becomes permeable to harmful molecules and toxins that normally would not get into the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what the colostrum does is it helps uh, seal up those holes, if you will, simplistically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I highly, highly recommend uh, adding colostrum uh, to any horse's diet. It's not specific to young or old or pregnant or athletes it's not specific it's for all horses okay um and you brought up mushrooms and um mushrooms are um used medicinally um usually in chinese medicine yeah and um i find them to be very interesting i am not trained in chinese medicine so i can't speak to the mechanism of how they work but I can tell you that by taking um, a preparation of uh, several different medicinal mushrooms, and I have one that I like on my website, but there's plenty, plenty around that contain things like um, mataiki, shiitake, uh, shaga, um, what's another one, uh, uh, turkey tail is another one. Um, and some of them have some very strange names, but, uh, they do have the ability to, um, alter the microbiome Mm -hmm. in the digestive tract to enhance the immune response. And so this would be another, another way to go that, uh, if you feel that your horse is at risk and you Mm -hmm. want to protect his immune function. Yeah, good. You know. All right, you're making me hungry, you know. Um, between, <laughs> <laughs> between the apple cider vinegar, the garlic, and the mushroom, stir fry go in here. Um, no, that that is that's all good information. Tell tell people how they find your website because you're, it really is it's the one I always recommend when anybody has any questions about nutrition and their horse. It's just the best. It's a wealth. So tell Certainly. people how to you and um, and tell them about your book. Oh, it's, well, my website is gettyequinenutrition.com. And um, just uh, the new website came out a, c- a couple of months ago. Right. And I have a resource library uh, where you could search for a whole variety of topics 
and um, I have uh, supplements that I that I find to be worthwhile that I offer. Um, so I invite people to to come there, listen to recordings. I have all the podcasts that I've done with you; they're on there as well. Um, so th- please please visit wealth of information. My book is called Feed Your Horse Like a Horse. And I update and expand on it all the time by writing more articles, which can be found in my resource library, as well as I have uh, topic-focused uh, booklets uh, available, too. They're great. They're yeah. great. Highly recommended. And um, and you, you as a uh, somebody who holds our hands through our horses' issues, are highly <laughs> recommended, too. Thanks. Thank you so much, Debbie. That's very kind of you. I, I, I feel that uh, the more we know the better we off we are that knowledge is empowering and helps us make good good choices for our horses whisper the language of the herd listen you don't have to say a word. it's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call ask monty leave this world a better place than Magic in the language of the Dear Monty, I've bought a traditional cob for my daughter after losing our mare to cancer last March. We went and tried her. My friend also rode her, and she ticked all the boxes, so three weeks later I bought her. I've now had her five months. She is safe on the roads. She has hunted safely, but she was very spoiled in her last home, and her life from young was rubbish. If she doesn't want to do what you ask, she will swing her head to move you. She doesn't want to walk, she'll plant to the point where we could be there an hour. My confidence has been lost and my daughter, who had a bad fall last June, breaking both her arms, is struggling. We're not giving in, but need expert advice. We are not loaded with cash, so struggle to take her to a training facility, but advice would be welcomed, especially by yourself. Monty's answer. Refusing to go forward is called balking, napping, or jibbing. My recommendation is to first consult with your veterinarian to rule out any physical pain the horse might have, as physical pain can be the cause of undesirable behavior. It should be noted that the problem may have been fostered through physical pain that is no longer present. Almost every balker that I'm asked to work with turns out to be a horse that resists backing up. For some reason, many horsemen seem to think that schooling a horse to back up will cause him to be a balker. Nothing could be further from the truth. I recommend you read my textbook, From My Hands to Yours, about these issues and employ the duly halter for your cooperation without pain. You should work to create circumstances so as to intrinsically school the horse not to resist the duly halter. When your horse resists the dually, it becomes smaller and less comfortable, and when he cooperates, the dually gives immediate reward by expanding and becoming quite comfortable. Pay particular attention to learning the use of the dually halter. Negative behaviors such as you have described with the use of his head are key to suggest the need for the use of the dually halter. As you work with your horse, carefully remember the most important issues of using the dually. Your description of this horse's behavior would suggest that I emphasize the word instant in its use. When schooling with the dually, be firm, but being firm takes second place to being instant. Many novices will watch me work with the dually and will remark that I was too hard with the horse. In actual fact, one must be firm, but especially quick. When loading a horse, reverse is a direction that we should own in a partnership with our horses. The horse that is not trained to back up willingly may use it against us when he chooses. The horse that will back comfortably and willingly, either from the ground or from when you are riding, is far less likely to be a balker than a horse not trained to back up. For riding the balking horse, one method I have devised is to first place ordinary blinkers on the horse so that he can't see behind. This is the type of blinker that closes off the rear half of the horse's visual plane. A horse has a difficult time going into a places that he cannot see. With the blinkers on, the door is open in front of the horse, and he is discouraged from moving backwards. So riding a horse with blinkers will sometimes be sufficient to discourage balking. This method, with the giddy-up rope, is also detailed in my textbook. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to montyroberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page.
What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. August 17 through 28, as we were speaking of it, Gentling Wild Horses Course. Then we have September 11 through 13 in Solvang, California. We have a weekend full. We have a Horse Sense and Healing Weekend, and that's for our veterans and first responders with post-traumatic stress. And we also have a CHA equine facility management certification taking place at Flag is Up Farms. And then we've got October 12th through 16th, we've got Amani special training coming up, my favorite week of the year. And then October 23 through 25, another Horse Sense and Healing, and then another one in November 13th through 15th. We're ramping these up because December 4th through 6th, we have our last one of the year, Horse Sense and Healing. And then long-term planning, we have February 8th through 12th, another Amani special training with Portuguese translation in addition so you can tell there's not a lot of tours going on during this covid time we can't get to europe but we have a lot going on at flag is up farms got an awful lot going on now i was just surfing around montyroberts.com am i right that that's a brand sparkling new website you've got going there do you love it it's It's beautiful beautiful. i can brag on it because i didn't do it but (laughs) yes yeah my favorite my favorite part is you can scroll down and see all the different courses and the descriptions. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's like, oh, look at this great stuff. So long and short of it is, everybody, go to MontyRoberts.com where right. you will find Monty's calendar as well as descriptions of all these great different courses. So you can see exactly what's going to be right for you and all of your horsey friends. So much fun. They are. They really are. They're going on right now, too. We've got Americans taking them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And you can get to do it in beautiful California, beautiful Solvang, which in addition to housing Flag is Up Farms is a lovely small mm. town in California that has great restaurants and great character, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can drive there. So don't worry about a plane. No plane required. You can drive right up there. It's a beautiful drive. When we went up, we went along the coast. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So go to yeah. MontyRoberts.com, find out it all. If you want to be old school and talk to a really wonderful, well-informed human being, you can do that by calling 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, which includes links uh, to topics and guests, you're going to go to HorsemanshipRadio.com. It's episode 165. And as always, we love your feedback. And how can you give us feedback? You can go to Facebook. Go to Monty Roberts' page. You just type in there, Monty Roberts. Go for the one with the blue check mark. Monty Roberts is also on other social media, Twitter and Instagram. His handle is Monty underscore Roberts. And once you've done all that, if you haven't gotten the app yet and you're listening via iTunes or some other podcatcher, you know it's really easy if you use the app. Because the app from Horse Radio Network, yes. it's free, and it has all the shows on it if you want. Or you can just tap the horse Horsemanship Radio button. It's up to you. Just go to your app store and type in their Horse Radio Network. It works for Android and iPhones. So there you go. That's right. Thank you for all of that. Many thanks to our sponsors, too. Finish Line Fencing, they're the best. And we also have MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network, too, at horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 